Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. The day is here. Two new video games. <laughs> Amazing. Very, wow. very rare that I think our show covers two new releases. That's a good point. I was about to be like, oh, I thought this was a bit for a second, and then I remember last week we talked about Fable, so I think you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> Like Fable's not even in a zeitgeist. Like there's no nobody yeah. is like, where's the Fable episode? Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, one of the two new games is WarioWare Get It Together. One of many uh, recent games announced for the Switch that are kind of hearkening back uh, serendipitously to the Game Boy Advance era. It was like pretty much like after that episode that like there was a Nintendo Direct and they announced the uh, Advance Wars remake coming out in November uh-huh. and a new WarioWare, which like WarioWare has been a, like they've made a lot of WarioWare games like more than I like remembered or realized uh, yeah. looking at like the history of the series. But I there always are a bunch I haven't played. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always like associate it with the Game Boy Advance. There's something very like early 2000s about WarioWare and like the this yeah. sort of like unhinged creative energy and also the idea of like trying to make a lot out of five seconds just feels like very thematic with the Game Boy Advance, you know, making a lot yeah. out of a little bit. War- WarioWare's energy to me just like I don't know why this doesn't really make any sense, but it makes sense in my head. But like, I feel like WarioWare's energy is that of an uh, of an advertisement in a magazine, you know, like just <laughs> like I just yeah. feel like I, I associate WarioWare with like the frenetic energy that like Nintendo had in the early 2000s in their magazine ads where it would be like a baby like floating in like a tank holding a Game Boy Advance. And it's like level the fuck up. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> for some reason, that's like Nintendo's ad campaign. <laughs> what was the powdered orange juice? Was it Tang? Yeah, Tang. With a kick the, in the, the glass. The orangutan. Yeah, like big Tang vibes yeah. from, from WarioWare, I feel. Yeah. Just it's, like, yeah, like anything that could grab your attention from ages like 8 to 12 <laughs> in the late 90s, early 2000s. And just like decimate your ability to focus on anything ever again <laughs> after you played it. Like I feel like WarioWare rewires your brain. It's actually like, it's weird because it was great in that era and it's great now like in the, you know, uh, like post social media, like TikTok era. It also seems like right at home to have games that only last like five seconds. Uh, it's great. Yeah. Well, so we discussed uh, the first two WarioWare games in the Game Boy Advance episode, Mega Micro Games and Twisted, which are both in the Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Just a quick like explanation of what this is, because honestly, there is like it's been kind of out of the spotlight long enough that there are a lot of people I know that don't know what this is. And it's yeah. kind of hard to explain if you haven't if you weren't subject to those early 2000s Tang <laughs> ads. <laughs> Dude, what if your whole head turned into a gusher and then you exploded and turned into the fruit that the gusher was flavored like? Oh, my God. I forgot about that. What was the like the big warhead that was like the dare? Was it uh, raspberry? The most sour warhead? Yeah. You're talking about? Oh, my God. Warheads. Yeah, Warheads. We're back, man. It's the thousands. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, WarioWare as a series basically is this like arcade score chase game where you are subject to like literally five second mini games where they'll give you a command like catch or whatever like a very simple command but they won't tell you what the controls are and you have to just sort of figure it out in the moment and 
I think the strength of the series has always been like you and I talked about how it was like a flex of game design where like the people who made the early games knew game design so well that they could like have the confidence that like even without telling you the buttons, you would figure out what to do in five seconds. And of course, like there's a challenge there and you're always like kind of nervous, but like usually you get it. And then it's a matter of like, okay, how many can you knock out in a certain amount of time? And if we get faster and faster. So that's like been the appeal of the series. And since then, there's always been kind of a new addition based on the hardware. So a new twist, maybe. Yeah, that's it. You got it. It's a kick in the glass. Um, (laughs) Twisted had a gyroscope right in the game. So you could like move the Game Boy around. Every game was like about that. Yeah. Uh, The DS one obviously was about the touchscreen. The Wii one actually I thought was great too. One of the better uses of motion controls. Is that gold? Um, Warrior Warrior Gold? Smooth Moves uh, moves. was was the Wii one. Yeah. I didn't play that one. I didn't play gold. I have no idea what gold is. I just know it exists. Yeah, me too. I think gold might have been the 3DS or Mm. maybe even the Wii U which is why we don't know because <laughs> 30 people bought the Wii U yeah but uh <laughs> anyway all that to say like this is a really cool series one that we both love and I think a lot of people have like when the switch came out people were like this would be perfect for WarioWare because it's a handheld and a dock system like there's a lot of versatility with the joy cons and the other controllers like yeah it's got a touch screen also which I, I guess I wouldn't work in docked but yeah it has it has everything that yeah. all the other WarioWare games have like used as its thing built into just the yeah. switch which is amazing so once they announced it i just all i really needed to know was that there was a new warrior coming to the switch and i got very excited and now it's out we've both played it i played it with uh two friends who came over uh city and eric give you a shout out and we played the entire story mode in one sitting together one sitting wow nice. i just want to say too off the bat that like i've had people over like since you know being vaccinated and stuff and like we played games together but this is the first time i really felt the like joy of playing a game like locally with friends mm, yeah. so like before we get into the game and like give our more nuanced take like just that is so joyful and fun like this mm. game is gonna make you crack up and like have a great time with your friends and weirdly the switch has kind of a lack of games like that like there's mario kart there's the strange mario party that is still 60 dollars uh, <laughs> but there isn't like a ton of like yeah. party games weirdly so i feel like this is actually very needed so like just on a base level like for either longtime fans of the series or someone better yet someone who has no clue what it is they're gonna have their minds blown by this game which yeah. is what happened when eric and i played it yeah it's it, i think just it really feels like one of those games it's like just so well built for an ad for the Nintendo Switch where it's like, yes, you will take this out in a bar, <laughs> put it on the countertop, like break off a Joy-Con, hand it to your friend, hold it onto the other one and you're playing multiplayer. Like it is that mm-hmm. game exactly. Like I have Pro Control. I have a bunch of Pro Controllers here. Uh, I, I've been playing uh, Get It Together with uh, my partner Persia and the two of us have been playing with the Joy-Cons. Like I don't need, like the Joy-Cons just feel like the way that you're supposed to play this game. And it is so, so lovely to play it in that way and i i totally agree i mean like if you have a bunch of friends over like i would say the only games that i would feel comfortable giving to anyone really if they've like never played a game before is like jackbox maybe i feel like mario kart is kind of um our our friend of the show kyle star mentions all the time that uh mario kart is like riding a bike like if you've ever played a mario kart you can always play mario kart so like maybe maybe that's in this like amorphous zone but like i feel like it's like jackbox or now this which is like there's almost nothing you need to wrap your head around like at all it's like you just move around and you press one button and those are the controls for this game which is really really great to have it boiled 
down to that simplistic of an input mechanism because the stuff you have to do with that one button and that control stick are like completely off the wall and change constantly. So I do think like there is this maybe guise of simplicity right on the outset. Um, and then there's a lot more depth the further in you go into the WarioWare rabbit hole, which is like a completely fucked universe. But uh, it's uh, it's it's a great, great game for like anyone who would just want. I feel like I'm selling it. Like why? Uh, I, it's just it's just good. It's just a good <laughs> game. I feel like I'm selling it to people. It's, it's a, a great, great game, party game uh, yeah. between two and four players uh, between the ages of 12 and 80. It just does feel like the only like solid party game that I would feel comfortable giving to anybody. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. even Jackbox has that element of like you invite people over to play Jackbox and then there's like a little competition element, which I think some people freak out about, which I understand. Yeah. Or to be honest, I feel like I have a permanent Jackbox hangover at this point. Like, I feel like I need like a year of like no <laughs> quiplash until I can enjoy it again. Like I hear <laughs> Schmitty's voice when I yeah. when I go to sleep Ugh. being like, what's the wackiest lunch you could have? Like, oh, just kill me. I feel like Schmitty should have been the villain um, of WarioWare. Uh, it's also worth noting WarioWare, as you could probably guess if you've seen anything or, or know the character, is incredibly strange. Stranger than I think you would expect if you don't know. Like like we said, the mini games are very simple, like catch or complete. But like like there's one that's that says protect, and there are like these these objects flying towards like this Norman Rockwell painting of like two kids with like a Sunday like in a diner, <laughs> but they're like a little bit too human and they have like creepy smiles. Like they they always have fun with the details. Where like yeah. whenever you win or whatever you're doing is like a little bit weirder than you expect and that is like i i haven't heard my friend eric laugh as hard as he did when like we did this it just said peel we peeled a banana and then the banana like got a face and yeah. like that's all it took it was just like <laughs> and all of that happens within like three to five seconds that's the thing it's like you yeah. know your brain doesn't even really have time to process what you just saw you just know that it was yeah. completely banana well, bananas hey nice uh, uh that was great yeah but yeah the the spirit and vibe of warrior are like exactly what you want I, I do think though like since the first one because they felt the need to like add a new twist on it every time it it, it feels like you know that it was such like it was like a espresso shot of game design in the first one adding anything on top of that almost always feels a little extraneous maybe with the exception of twisted where like it was just sort of like a centralized control scheme but like you know even smooth moves which i liked they add the other element of like oh you always have to be holding the wemo in a different way so be like oh hold it like an umbrella hold it like on against your head oh so there's like a preparation element before you get into the game yeah that i could see that ruining the flow of the thing in a big way exactly exactly uh and with this game the big addition is that it's essentially co-op so like you're both playing the games at the same time which i think is a great idea and i think it adds sort of like an overcooked friendly stress element where like yeah you know uh you have to work together you to get it together yeah a lot of apologizing yes (laughs) uh so so unlike other games where you know you are you are in the game in an abstract sense here you actually select a character and you're like the character on the screen doing the task on top of that 
every character plays very differently, which I think a lot of reviews have said like is sort of like the element of the game that doesn't quite work. And honestly, I, I have to agree. I think that the WarioWare series has built such a like colorful roster of characters that like the idea of playing as them is kind of cool and exciting. Like yeah. I like the idea that I can play as Jimmy T. Like it's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> but like the way the characters play is like, okay, like here's Cricket. He can jump really high. Oh, that's great. I love that. He can move around and jump. Then there's Nine Vault, who's always moving left to right. And when you push A, he throws a yo-yo up and stops moving. And if you need to jump, you have to aim at rings that are it's like, why on earth would I add that to everything else going on? You know, yeah. like, what is the benefit of that? And like the idea is that there are some mini games that certain characters are like built for, but like honestly, this game would be like objectively better if every character just played the same. I think that like yeah. it, it, it's it's fun enough on an aesthetic level to be like Ashley or Mona or Wario, like select your favorite and just have them as an icon on the screen because I never feel the payoff of being like, thank God I was Orbulon for that mini game. Like it's too <laughs> fast to like feel like you're you're in control in that way. So usually what ends up happening is I'm just like upset that I couldn't do like what I knew. Like there's enough challenge of figuring out what to do. Never mind adding the like, oh, I'm 18 volt who can't move and can only throw rings. Like what, who on earth wants that? You yeah. know, like it's- I have had a couple instances already where- I've been given a character for a challenge and I was like, there's no way that that character is able to complete that challenge. It does happen every yeah. once in a while. It's not frequent. I think they've done a really good job of making sure that all the characters can do all of the mini games, but there are sure. enough instances. I mean, I could probably count it on one hand, but like for me, that's enough instances where like they didn't quite nail it. Those moments of frustration really stick out because everything else is so great. Um, there are a couple of characters in particular, especially as you're making your way through the story mode where each world, I guess we'll call them, is centered on a specific character. So what happens is when you go into that world, you're introduced to this character, you're introduced to how they play, you go through a little tutorial that kind of shows you how to control them. And then you have to select the crew that's going to play alongside them. So it's like, okay, you're playing as this character who whose world it is, but you also get like two extra slots. So you could pick like Wario and Jimmy T, for example. Uh, so you have, you know, whoever the main character is, Wario, Jimmy T, and that's your crew. And it'll randomly switch between those three characters as you're going through the mini games throughout that world. And every once in a while, you'll just like land on a character who like does not fit with a mini game literally at all and just like makes it impossible, which isn't that bad. I mean, because as with all Wario games, you have a bunch of lives, right? You could like start over at any time. Even if you get a game over, you can start over any anyway uh yeah. so it's it's not like there are high stakes or anything it's just there's a flow to the game and anything that breaks up that flow or makes it feel like there was no way that you were going to get it at all really I, I think adds this like little twinge of frustration that I haven't felt before in WarioWare games you know usually the only twinge of frustration I ever get is like whatever verb they gave me at the beginning maybe wasn't enough to describe the like completely obtuse thing I need to do on the screen but yeah. then eventually you figure it out you do that mini game again and you figure it out this adds a whole new layer of complexity to the top of what was already a pretty complex thing and I don't I don't know if it changes it for the better it is fun don't get me wrong i'm having a great time with it. i think it's i think it's awesome i've also played through the whole story mode um at this point there's even like a little post game which is really fun you get like a bunch of extra stuff yeah um and it unlocks like a bunch of other modes that you can do uh it's i mean it's really good but i i do think like the central conceit of all of these characters play differently like does not pay off as well as they wanted it to because really what it comes down to and you and i were talking about this a little bit the other day is like everyone just picks the same characters who like have the ability to fly which is pretty much the most important thing and some of the other 
other characters do not fly. And some of them don't even have the ability to look in the other direction, which is also kind of important. It's like Wario, for example, the one you start with can fly around and then he does his like arm charge and like charges to the left or right and kind of whatever way you want. And that is he is by far the best of all of them. They just give you Wario yeah. and he's the best. Everyone else is like a variation on a theme. There's one guy who I really like. His name is Mike. Uh, he's a robot. Who oh, is, Mike is great. Yeah. Mike is incredible. Uh, Mike is a robot who is also, I think, a karaoke machine uh, who is bad at singing, but loves singing. And his whole thing is that he can fly around also. But unlike Wario, who can charge left or right, Mike can only shoot music notes directly up into the air, which is good for some challenges, but automatically makes him like not as good or versatile as Wario. But Mike is like maybe the second best or like third best yeah. of the group of characters. And I think the ones that people gravitate towards, at least, you know, my sample size of two people. But, you know, I found that we were always gravitating towards the ones that could fly and had some more versatility. I knew the ones that were like stuck in one place, had like an extra layer of a mechanic that didn't really make sense or like were constantly on the move and you have no way of like really discerning what to do like those ones just don't make sense and like who would pick them and why i think there would be enough versatility if it was literally just what direction do they fire in like that would have been enough i think Mm. the you know again because it's like listen to how this sounds like okay you could play as ashley who can fly in any direction and shoot in any direction or you can play as 18 volt who can't move and it can only throw rings. And if you want to move, you have to aim the ring at rings in the level, which is going to add two seconds to whatever you have to do. So, like, yeah, it's just it's just wild. Uh, and again, maybe like it would be funny if it was like a like a obstacle. But like you're, it's like I guess the intent was to have everyone be equally viable. And that that has been failed. <laughs> uh, but again, there are enough characters that like once you because you unlock the the tricky ones first, you get Mona, Nine Volt and AT involving right away so like the early hours of story mode i'm like what is this like i do not and i do not like this i don't know what i'm doing and then quickly you get everyone that i would guess you know like mike ashley uh jimmy t and uh cricket were the ones that eric and i used a lot it's like okay they can move in any direction and they can do their thing yeah i'm a big orbulon fan also uh, Arbulon is is wonderful. Yeah. First of all, g- great name, great sunglasses. Uh, his little flying saucer is a pig. Very cute. Uh, it's all very good. <laughs> his his level has a big like MTV '90s commercial energy to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, big fan. I think I think actually that's worth going into a little bit is like so all of these characters have their own little worlds that you go into. In this is just the story mode. The story mode, by the way, is not very long. As you said, you played through it in one sitting. Um, I did it in two sittings. Yeah. Um, it's not like not like that long, but it is great as as like an introduction. It almost serves as a tutorial for what you're going to do for the rest yeah. of the time you'll ever be playing WarioWare. But all of the all the levels start with you being introduced to a character and then you get this like little cutscene that just kind of like brings you into their world in a way. And they're all just like complete nonsense, uh, just like really, <laughs> really fucking good. I honestly i i don't know how to describe it i don't think there's any way i can describe it in a way that will be as like satisfying or thrilling as just sitting down and watching them yourself so i almost don't want to like even say anything about it but you go into it and then you go into their world and all of their uh mini games will be centered around a specific theme so there's like one character who's all themed around nature one of them orbulon for example who's an alien who's like convinced that they're going to be able to take over the earth one day is learning as much as they can about earth's culture so all of the mini games have to do with earth's culture uh things like that uh which is why it's it's like an MTV kind of vibe. But anyway, um, yeah, 
I, I find all that stuff really great. I think oh, that yeah. is the only place where having characters move in specific ways works. And, and it's almost a little bit frustrating that this is the case. But the reason that all of those characters are built the way they are, the ones who like clearly have less versatility than the other ones, is so they can have a really great boss minigame at the end because what happens is you'll play through like 10 to 15 minigames in a row and then at the end it'll give you like a boss stage and that boss stage you will be forced to play as the character whose world it is using their kit and essentially play a game that is just built for that specific kit like just that version of warrior mechanics and that stuff yeah. is really great it works really well i mean even the hardest ones like nine volts that you and i were talking about so nine volts whole thing is that uh, he loves nintendo stuff so all of his mini yeah. games are, are based around nintendo games and at his boss stage is just you play through a, a level of Super Mario World as nine volt, which means that you're on a skateboard constantly moving from left to right and you can't jump. You can only attach rings. Uh, you can like attach your yo-yo to rings that are uh, hanging in the sky if you want to like traverse anything. And it's like essentially impossible. I mean, it's so fucking hard. It's yeah. fun. I actually did have a good time. Like I thought it was like a wow. really kind of like challenging, like goofy thing. Uh, it did take forever, though. Yeah. But that's the thing is like all of these characters have these very specific mechanics just built for their boss stage and nothing else and yeah. that's why some characters work better than others you're absolutely right and I, and I think it does it does like I think um Jimmy T's boss stage is my favorite which is like a rock it's like quap rock climbing where like you have to control the climbers feet and hands and Jimmy yeah. T's thing is he can move in any direction but you have to tap a and he goes like oh yeah ha! he's like a disco dancer so like doing that to help rock climb was a lot of fun um what's funny about that by the way is yeah. that minigame actually and I, I think this is a theme in, in Get It Together, but that is, it seems like a reference to a game by the guy who made Quap. Bennett Foddy, who also made a game called GURP, G-I-R-P, uh, which is very similar. It's it's like a teaches typing game that like works in a very similar way and like almost kind of looks similar as well. I kind of thought that that was a reference to that. There's another, um, I forget whose boss stage is. There's somebody's boss stage that just felt like Spelunky. Like it opens in the exact same way as Spelunky, where it's like you crash land on a desert and then there's like a little kind of zoom out and then you run into a cave was like the exact same like shot for shot remake of the Spelunky opening, which I thought was very cool. <laughs> Um, that's awesome. I wonder if there's yeah. more like that, but I'm sorry. Uh, you were talking about Jimmy T. Oh, yeah. No, that's okay. When am I not, really? Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, I was going to say Jimmy T's was a lot of fun. I, I like his level probably the most uh, great music. I mean, really they, I feel like yeah. the game knows you're looking forward to meeting Jimmy T based on his entrance. Yeah. Nine Volt, I was going to say, I, I honestly found the boss more frustrating than fun, but I do love his stage because it's, again, every mini game is like a Nintendo game. And and uh, they added Tea Time from Three Houses as a WarriorWare game, which feels like, you know, every, my world's merging together, uh, which was, is it always Claude? I think it's I think it might change based on the difficulty in my world. The mm. world's like a hard, fast Tea Time would be Hubert, you know, like him, like <laughs> judging you. But yeah, it was Claude for me, but I'm not yeah. sure if it, if it changes or not. Anyway, when, when you're done with um, when you're done with the story mode, which is great uh, and, and can be you know completed pretty quickly you'll unlock all the characters which is wonderful you get all these other modes which are really great i didn't even realize that there was going to be other stuff first of all there's a rank there's like an online ranked daily challenge which is great 
I had no idea that that was going to be an element here. I haven't I haven't che- uh, checked it out yet. I just like went through the tutorial where they kind of explain how it works. But from what I understand, they just like pick a character and pick a mini game. And you just have to like see how well you can do. You just have to like mm. try and get a high score, um, which fun. I think is a great idea. There's also another thing. Um, what is it called? What What is the like the thing you were doing with the with the soccer ball? Oh, got a bounce. Got a bounce. Like, what is that section called? I think it's called Variety Pack. Oh, yeah. I think it's the, the Variety Pack. Yeah. They're like built for having people over, essentially, is the idea. So while there is the story mode, which you can do with like one to two people, and then there's uh, like another mode where it's just kind of like a like a shuffle where it just like does all of the mini games that you've unlocked. You can do that with, I think, a bunch of people. There's this thing called Variety Pack, which are like not really I would I wouldn't call them micro games. I wouldn't call them games. I would call them like mi- like mid game, like midi games. They're like modes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Where you and some people can like get together and just like try and do this like one very specific thing that might have co- mechanics a little bit more complex than a normal uh, WarioWare game would have, which I think is really fun. So you were talking about one that's got a bounce, which is like literally just like keep the ball in the air. But you have to do it with the characters, which is like almost impossible. <laughs> yeah, we so Eric and I, we did it with Mike and Ashley and we got it to like every time you like every time you hit it, the other person has to hit it. And that will like you can both hit the ball to keep it up. But to get your score to go up, you have to alternate who hits it. We got up to like 120 something. We like did wow. really well and we That's can wild. never recreate it. Like we tried to both be Mike because <laughs> he can only shoot up. It makes sense. And yeah. like we would die at like 12. Gotta Balance is my favorite just because the menu is like weirdly haunting. It's like this black and white watercolor of like a silhouette of a child looking at a soccer ball and like dead trees. It's so funny. <laughs> the menus for all these games, like honestly, to be to be frank, most of them are not fun. Like there's one that's like an office simulator that just sucks. There's one that's like got an incredible menu. They all have great menus is my point, but there's one that's like kind of a mock Smash Brothers where it's like a fighter and they did this like all out like anime versions of all the characters like, you know, in like fighting poses. Yeah. It looks like the key art for Smash Ultimate. Like yeah. It, it, I think it actually is supposed to be referencing that. But with like Mona and, you know, everyone, Dr. Cragor uh, and stuff, which like I want to play that game. But, you know, what you get is like you just fight with the moveset of the characters, which is kind of hilarious to do once and then never again. Yeah. But, I played uh, as Ashley uh, and got to like, I don't know, 150 or something. And I was like, <laughs> I, I, need to, I need to bounce. I killed like 150 of my friends. <laughs> and then I was like, I, got, I need to yeah, stop doing this. Got to bounce is really fun because it's just like very simple keep the ball up in sort of like a flappy bird way where like yeah you know and the seasons change as you keep the ball up it reminds me like in the very first WarioWare there were sort of games like this where there was one where you were nine volt skateboarding actually very similar to flappy bird where you're just like dodging stuff and then there was one that was just a paper airplane like going down a like corridor of halls and you had to like move it right and left Mm. So there are these like weird score chase games that are like very like abstract or minimalist. But yeah, it's fun to have that. I think the daily challenge and and uh, and got a bounce. (laughs) Got a bounce makes me laugh every time I think about it. But uh, yeah, everything else is kind of like fun conceptually, but like you're not going to actually play it much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's I think the the thing at at the center of this game is like I've read a couple of reviews here and there that are like, oh, there's not like a whole lot here. And I, I don't really I don't see that as a downside, really personally because I I don't see it as like oh I I need to constantly sit down by myself and play WarioWare like that's not really what I'm after you know it's kind of more a thing to always have downloaded on my switch
storage for whenever people come over. That said, I will probably get like severely invested in getting a high score in a couple games here and there. There's one where um, it's the final screen of Splatoon uh, and you have to like very quickly on on a whim judge which team wins. Um, so if you've if you've ever played Splatoon, the whole idea is you have to get ink uh, all over the ground and whoever uh, whatever team has the most ink on the ground wins uh, and it's you know two different colors. So essentially you're seeing like a, a top down view of this map and you have to decide which one which team wins. And it's literally just you like run to the left or run to the right, depending on which team you think wins. And I sat there and I did that for like 25 minutes. Like I, I could not <laughs> stop playing that one. And it got to the point where I had actually seen all of the versions of the maps and I started to memorize them. And I was like, I'm now like counting cards. Like this is not fair. <laughs> I, I need to hit the eject button on this. But that's the thing is like every once in a while you'll just fall down to a rabbit hole. You'd be like, oh, I really want to play that specific mini game again. You go in, you do it. And like, that's going to be, you know, 20 to 30 minutes of your day. Uh, just just yeah. dumped into got to bounce in it. I got a I got a master tea time. I think see what else is available there because usually yeah. in usually in past warrior games there's like three variants to every mini game um, mm-hmm. depending on like what phase of the level you're in. So yeah, I wonder I wonder if that changes. But yeah, it's really fun. I will say this: I think if you're like a long time warrior fan, there's a I think you might be a little bit disappointed with this one. Like I think it's like like we're we're very positive on it. Like we're having fun with it. I don't know if it like changes or adds anything in like the series of the game. Like, what it does change, I don't think works as we've discussed. It doesn't like ruin the game, but it doesn't really elevate anything. That being said, if you've never played WarriorWare or if you like, you know, have friends over, it's like perfect. So I think it's a great game. I definitely think like it's not the future of the series, but you know, it doesn't need to be. I think just having more WarriorWare is objectively a good thing. I might argue that it is, honestly, because at the end of the day, WarriorWare has never been a party game to me. I guess maybe Smooth Moves was. Was that yeah, one it a definitely multiplayer was, game? Yeah, yeah, yeah it, was. it was. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I've never experienced WarioWare as a party game before. I've only experienced it as like a solitary thing. You know, I played the original for Game Boy Advance and Twisted and uh, Touched for the DS. Those are like my three kind of touch points for WarioWare. Uh, so this is the first one I've gotten like to sit down and play with somebody. Uh, and that's great. But, you know, if, if it's been multiplayer before, then like, yeah, this probably isn't the future if it was already. The present. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Hey, they, hey, they threw some fun ideas at the wall. Some of them stick. Some of them don't. Oh, yeah. No, I could see like if you got really hyped up for this maybe being a little bit let down but again it's like that central conceit of the series is so strong that like honestly i think they could just keep like it's this is one of the few series where they can just not change it and i'll be happy you know like i feel like yeah, yeah. I, I i don't need like a new gimmick every time i just sort of want like the core experience with like a new aesthetic yeah but i commend them for trying i could see a world in which it was like worry aware as a platform not that i need everything to be a fucking live service game obviously but um <laughs> I could see a world in which they were like, hey, you know, this is this is WarioWare for Switch. You know, if they say they release it earlier in the Switch's life cycle and they, you know, every like year or two years, it was like, hey, here's like a $15 pack you can download and you get like, you know, 50 new games that you add on to it. And whenever you invite people over, you can have more fun. That sounds nice. That sounds nice to me. But I, I do. I do agree. I think at the end of the day, like if you're a person who was like really anticipating a WarioWare game, which I think pretty much everyone was like for the most part, like everyone was yeah. like the switch is like obviously the WarioWare handheld. Like this is going to be a huge console for WarioWare. 
to see that the game that comes out of it doesn't actually make use of the hardware really outside of like you can play it multiplayer, which like you could have done anyway, I guess. Like you don't need Joy-Cons to play it multiplayer. I think that that's a little bit silly to like not really take advantage of the hardware and like the, the things that make that hardware interesting. But, you know, whatever. It's a great game. I'm I'm like, yeah, it. I'll play more of it. It's it, it's really it's really only disappointing if you compare it to the series. But it itself is still like a great time and easily worth yeah. getting. So, yeah. And, and again, like just having people over and playing it like I I've not laughed that hard, like alongside a game in a while. So that's that's definitely worth something. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was just happy to see all my old friends again. Oh, Jimmy T and yeah. Ashley. Big fans. Big fan. Oh, man. Um, I was I was wondering who was going to get because in every game there's like a big musical number. Yeah. Which uh, like Ashley had a big one uh, early on in the Warrior right. sequence or in the Warrior series. Uh, Mona gets one's Mona's Pizza, which I think is like the like most famous at this point. Yeah, that's a the great one, one in this game. I don't want to say who it is. It's really, really good. I, I was like, I can't actually I'm not even going to say anymore. I was almost going to spoil it a little bit, but it's it's just really great. Uh, uh I love it. It's yeah. just it's just nonsense the whole time. It's a good game. <laughs> I recommend it. I do think that like I love the spotlight on the characters. That's always been like the undercurrent, at least like in the first two. It's like, who are all these characters? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, uh, like, you're so intrigued by them because usually they were just sort of like the face of a level playing as them is, you know, conceptually interesting. But yeah. Yeah. It's so funny in the context. Yeah. Just being confronted with like Jimmy T, whose mustache is music notes, you know, and like Wario talks to him as if like we all know who Jimmy T is and have always known who Jimmy T is. And we like know who Jimmy T is like what his vibe is and like what his life has been like and like maybe he's shown up in a bunch of other Nintendo games like no he only shows up in Wario where we don't know anything about him literally at all but it's so funny that Wario has this like big stable of like like a really good support group which I think is very silly and the thing that I find most shocking is that Waluigi is not involved in that support group at all I was so I was so convinced that he was going to be the final boss like it felt like it was going to happen you know oh my god could you imagine uh but he's even shunned in this universe of like unknown celebrities like what why but yeah it's also kind of funny too that wario wario is like weirdly like the normal one of the group like the other characters (laughs) are so strange he's sort of just like the vanilla character yeah he just kind of picks his nose and eats garlic a lot and that like that's that's as weird as he gets really He's just a game developer. <laughs> That's so funny. In, he's just in, like, the, in the in this story wor- of the game. Yeah. In this world, he's just a game developer. He like literally just like has a company where he makes games. It's great. Yeah, it's a good time. WarioWare, get it together. A fun time. It's available ten for the ten. Nintendo Switch. Oh, yeah. okay. Wow. <laughs> want to move on? Yeah, let's take a break and move on. You want to get it together? Goodbye. You want to yes. gotta bounce? You want to gotta bounce? <laughs> See you soon. <laughs> Bye-bye. Oh, I missed. Welcome back to the show. Hey. Uh, I have a I have a quick quick nod. Uh, a, a game that I picked up kind of on a whim. I don't really know why, uh, but I but I picked it up. I don't know what compelled me. It was almost like I, I was like possessed and and drawn to it. Um, yeah. But I finally picked up uh, another 2021 video game that you and I <gasps> haven't talked about yet, which is the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, which I guess isn't yes. a 2021 video game technically. Uh, it's there's a re-release of some other games, but it is two games in one for the Nintendo Switch, two games in the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney franchise. These two take place way before those games uh, ever happened. It's a prequel, if you will, kind of like turn of the century Japan. Uh, England has like just kind of started hanging out with and is like making deals and treaties and trade agreements with Japan. And because of that, there's a lot of like kind of adoption of 
European culture into Japan and vice versa. Um, it's a really interesting time to be telling a story like this because the yeah. the uh, judicial system in Japan is like so new at the time um, and is like evolving to kind of match what like the precedent that the Europeans have set. It's a, it's a fascinating idea. And uh, this game is wild. It is a wild video game. I'll look. If you played an Ace Attorney game before, nothing I'm about to say is going to sound like too, uh, you know, out of the realm of possibility. But uh, if you haven't played one, it's worth setting up. These are like visual novel adjacent, I would say, more visual novel than not. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of it is just, you know, listening to dialogue, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you are a lawyer uh, hearing people, you know, on the stand testify for certain things. Uh, and you are trying to pick apart their testimony and seeing if you can find, uh, you know, some kind of falsehood in there, uh, matching it up against evidence that's in the court record, you know, investigating with a magnifying glass, a newspaper clipping that somebody dropped on the ground on the night that the person got murdered, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, but uh, if you flip it around, it turns out there's a drop of blood on the back that you couldn't see from the front, you know, stuff like that. Like yeah. that's this is the game. Uh, you've, you've probably seen the like objection meme. Like that's yes. what this game is. Yeah. So this is an interesting game in that I I think so. I, I've played the first Phoenix Wright game. Some of it, not a lot of it. I never really got into it. I never really got into the franchise, um, but this one really kind of stuck out to me, at least hearing other people talk about it because it sounded like it was kind of going for a more interesting thing from just like a narrative perspective in that the setting I think is interesting and they really do explore a lot of what's going on with the setting without saying too much about it. Like the first case uh, as, as an example involves uh, a British man being murdered and the whole deal is like they really want to pin it on a Japanese man and say like he's the one who committed the crime we're going to get this done really quick and we're going to appease everyone in England so we don't like fuck up our trade agreement and our, our uh, like recent treaty that we've signed which is like horrible it's a horrible thing yeah. but that's that's like literally the kind of thread that connects the entirety of that case the big twist on it is that you the player character are the one who is on trial for murder and you have to be your own lawyer and get yourself off uh, which is like great uh, it's a really great way of starting it uh, oh yeah that happened in the first game uh which i wonder if it's maybe like a, a redo of that yeah, a little theme. nod yeah because yeah, yeah. from what i understand the player character i think is like a descendant of phoenix right so like yeah i think that would make sense that said uh the game starts out with you and like your really wonderful friend who is like a hot shot like soon to be lawyer who has a bandana that's always flowing in the wind and he has a <laughs> samurai sword that he like uses Perfect. to like point at things oh my god and that's that. kind of the the main like crux of why people love these games so much is like all the characters are just like completely off the wall and like oh, yeah. really fun that first case is good I'll say that much like the first case is really 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 wonderful all the characters are great one of the like guys who uh, is a witness is this like uh, general or someone in the army who uh, has a baby strapped to his back that's like constantly like pulling at his mustache and like pointing at things. It's like trying to eat stuff like in the courtroom. It's great. It's really good. Uh, stuff like that is happening all the time. It's it's really, really fun. I think they're going after some stuff that I was kind of surprised to see because this game is known for being so irreverent. You know, I mean, it's stealing, you know, murder is not ever going to be like light. It's not going to be like a light affair. But there is kind of an irreverence to the Phoenix Wright games, as far as I know, that like they're kind of playing it off in a way where it's like you feel very much like you're in a video game. You don't feel like you're, you know, looking at photos of mutilated bodies or fucking whatever, you know, yeah. like, it's never going to get that heavy. This game, strangely enough, is dealing with like kind of the inherent racism that comes with England yeah. coming to Japan and is like really 
kind of zoning in on that in a way I really wasn't expecting at all. So that first case is largely like you pushing back against people's biases. Uh, and I, I thought that that was a really kind of shocking thing for them to have done. Uh, yeah. And that whole case serves as like the tutorial uh, essentially for the game, but it takes a couple hours, you know, and then you move on to the second case, which is the reason I wanted to bring it up on the show uh, is the second case introduces a character that you and I have wanted to meet for a very long time, which is Herlock Sholmes. Oh, yeah who is just like this alternate universe of Sherlock Holmes. Um, they could not use that name in the video game for like rights reasons. The estate that owns the Sherlock Holmes uh, brand and IP has like very specific shit. Yeah. It's really nonsense. You could go look it up. I think Netflix also dealt with this recently with Enola Holmes, which is another uh, TV show that just came out uh, that uses kind of the same IP. It's wild. It's a wild like rights nightmare. But anyway, uh, in this game, Sherlock Holmes is like a himbo who is he's just like hot and always wrong which is great um he has the same like confidence and candor of like every version of sherlock holmes you've ever seen yeah uh and he's very attractive and almost every deduction he makes is absolutely false that's so funny Uh, and it is it's always funny it is so good and he just pops up all the time there's i I remember there's one specific moment where you're talking to a character um and you kind of zoom in on that character's face and when you zoom out again herlock sholmes is like crouched on top of a table like using a magnifying glass to inspect the underside of a table and everyone's like this door like this room is locked from the inside how the fuck did you get in here how are you doing this and that's like your introduction to him it's Good. I will say the the biggest frustration point I've had with this game so far, though, is that the second case involves, drumroll, you being framed for murder again a second time in a row. And I'm just like, you got to do something else. Like, I I need I need something else. Because now they're jumping through these weird hoops where, like, I'm technically allowed to investigate my own murder trial, which doesn't make any sense. So the whole thing is, like, you're, like, found at the scene of a crime where a murder took place and they just immediately, assume, well, Herlock Sholmes specifically immediately assumes that you're the murderer because you're also there. And uh, now now they've, like, kind of twisted the narrative into this strange thing where, like, for some reason, everyone on the ship is just letting me wander around and investigate the murder, even though everybody thinks that I'm the murderer, which, like, this that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little weird, Uh, especially hot off the heels of like me uh, successfully getting myself off for the same crime. Very silly. But that said, like it's not preventing me from like stopping like the the game is well written enough and is fun enough that I'm I'm having a great time with it, especially in the second case. They kind of throw some more mechanics at you. um, So you're able to, as I said, like wander around the ship, whereas the first case, you're just in the courtroom the whole time. You're not really doing anything. You're just in the courtroom, like on trial the whole time, seeing evidence as it's brought into the courtroom, talking to witnesses as they're brought into the courtroom. Now you're able to like explore and investigate a place, talk to anyone in the place, show them the things that you have on you. It really expands the gameplay in a way that I think is really satisfying. So I don't really have much more to say about it than that at this point, because I'm still in the middle of the second case and there's two entire video games in here. Like, I think there's five cases in the first game and I think five in the second game. So I'm like real early on. But from what I understand, there's an overarching narrative through the whole thing. Um, all the cases are somehow linked in some way through the through both games. So I'm excited to see what's up there because uh, it's great. It's really good. I uh, I don't know if it's like I don't know if it's like goaty good, you know, um, I not that it would even really, I think, apply considering it's like, you know, a port of some other stuff from the 3DS. But I'm having enough fun with it that like I'll keep going back to it on nights where it's like, oh, what, what do I do before I go to bed? Oh, why don't I just like knock out a couple interviews in this case or something? Yeah, um, that's awesome. It's a nice, it's a nice way to end the night. 
I will also say just uh, another quick plug for a thing that I've been playing. Um, I've been in a lot of waiting rooms recently, which we don't have to get into, but uh, I needed something on my phone that like didn't need to connect to the internet at all uh, and was on Apple Arcade just like seeing what was new on Apple Arcade. And we've talked recently uh, about how they're doing this thing where they have like Apple Arcade classics, which is like like they've taken things like uh, Fruit Ninja, for example, and brought it back to the iPhone in Apple Arcade. They have Fruit Ninja Plus. You can download it and like it's kind of a not a remake, per se, but it's like, you know, we've just taken Fruit Ninja, gotten rid of all the in-app purchases and things like that. And it's all just like here in one thing that you can download and play whenever. Uh, And, you know, all your progress syncs across devices, et cetera, et cetera. They recently uh, added a game. I was kind of surprised to see they added a game uh, that's called Game Dev Story uh, by a company called Kairosoft, who like I love Kairosoft. I don't know if I've ever talked about their stuff on on the show before, Um, but they're known for having these like little tiny simulation games with like really cute pixel art that gets like progressively more complex the further in you get. So game development stories like you and two developers uh, need to make video games and you need to like match up. Okay, I'm going to make a simulation game that's also like a racing game. uh, And then you have to like try your best to make that game good and then, you know, sell it and like, buy ads in certain places and XYZ thing, continue to grow your company, continue to make games that don't suck, uh, continue to face all these like weird little challenges over and over again, has this really satisfying loop. It's really hard to put down. Um, and exactly the kind of game that I needed right now. But um, I've been replaying that for the first time since I first played it, like years and years and years ago. And that game really holds up. So if you haven't played Game Dev Story and you have Apple Arcade, even if you don't have Apple Arcade, it's on phones and it's on Switch as well. I like can't recommend it enough. It's just great. It's a great little like pocket simulation thing. And that said, if you like that game, there are like a billion and a half other Kairosoft games that are all great. So it's uh, a really good entry point. But also, if you have Apple Arcade, it's right there. So I would go check it out. That's Game Dev Story. And uh, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of what I've been into recently. Anyway, that's it. Uh, let's take a break so we can talk about the other thing that we really want to talk about. <laughs> that sounds great, though. I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying uh, Ace Attorney. Uh, I've only played the very first one, so I've been wanting to get into it eventually. But You uh, will love it. Maybe if I'll you, pick it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I really the first one, I actually just real quick, like I struggled with that tone that you kind of mentioned where like, you know, there are these murders happening and stuff, but like the game is very irreverent. And I feel like in the first game, I found that kind of off putting at times. Mm. But it sounds like they get a better balance later. But I did love the characters. Edgeworth is like unbelievably great. Like yeah. Just an a, a immediate classic character. I think they made Edgeworth games. Like they made games where you play as yeah. Edgeworth uh, because people just love that character so much, which I really I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's wonderful. Um, anyway, uh, let's take a break. Cool. Goodbye. See you soon. Hello and welcome back. Uh, we are talking about another 2021 game. Uh, it's a game that I don't think either of us really had like strong plans to get. Uh, very much a whim on both our parts, but forgot it existed until yesterday. I was <laughs> I was tempted because you and I uh, were were fans of Scarlet Nexus and uh, the new RPG from Bandai Namco. Tales of Arise is the latest entry in the Tales series. A like pretty, it's been around for a while. I feel like I always think of it as a newer RPG series, but it's been around like forever. There are a lot of Tales games, but I've never really gotten into the series. I think I have Tales of Vesperia on Game Pass, but I haven't gotten around to it. Mm. But I had a renewed interest in checking it out because of Scarlet Nexus, and Scarlet Nexus is like seemingly kind of their like sister series in a way. It's like the sci-fi tales, or at least it seems to be the attempt. That's interesting. It's interesting. But regardless, idea. I picked it up. 
you and I are both playing it, and uh, I think I'm like 30 hours in. No, I'm, I'm, I think I'm like <laughs> eight hours in, but I've been playing it nonstop, and I really, really like it, and I'm excited to talk about it with you. Yeah, I have never played any of the Tales games. Um, I've I've always heard of Tales of Symphonia. That's always the one that everybody mentions yeah. to me. It's like, oh, Tales of Symphonia was a great game. Um, I know Vesperia is out. I think you said on Game Pass. I think it's also out on Switch. Maybe, yeah. That's kind of cool if you're interested in that. But this game, from what I understand, and again, this is me kind of playing catch up. I don't really uh, like know what's going on with this franchise. I have like really no context for it at all outside of what I've played so far. But from what I know, this is kind of Bandai Namco like trying to modernize this franchise a bit. They're like trying to like bring it into the future. um, Yeah. Not knowing what came before uh and just going into this fresh i mean i imagine i'm kind of the kind the person like that they wanted to pick this game up in the first place right it's like somebody who really doesn't know anything about what came before just like thought it looked cool i thought it looked cool so i picked it up Uh, i read some reviews that were like (laughs) really like glowingly positive uh from people who were new to the franchise and people who were coming at it from a long time player based perspective and like man it really hits like it's really good like almost immediately really good it we can get into it more but like even the first couple hours avoids like almost every JRPG trope that I was kind of worried about falling into um, early on it definitely like has some of those elements but uh, overall is really spectacular like right out of the gate and just like hasn't stopped being great and I am very very surprised at how much I like it I like love this game (laughs) It's really gripping. I think you and I both started it and then there was like a like very uh, palpable pause in communication for a few hours. And I think you were like, have you been playing it? And I'm like, yeah, this is <laughs> I'm in love. I'll say that, like, I think the the opening is really strong from a narrative perspective. I will say, like, like a lot of RPGs, it takes a while for, like, the game to begin, which I think is, like, there's probably a couple cutscenes where they're showing cool fighting that I would have loved to actually participate in. Yeah, I agree. But I do think when the fighting begins, it's a really great moment, which we'll get to. No spoilers here, but we will be talking about sort of, like, the opening hours. I would say, like, the game seems to be pretty structured in terms of, like, how the plot is delivered. There's, like, you know, the, the overall setup of the world is, like, there is this sort of, like, moon or, like, a very nearby planet planet uh that like the sort of like rich and powerful society lives on they have like very high tech that's like almost sci-fi but it's still magical fantasy flavored i don't know what version of brain punk that is we can figure it out maybe like (laughs) crystal glam i don't know uh but uh (laughs) then there's like the surface world uh the denons i think yeah that they're completely conquered and oppressed and there's like five zones each run by like a lord which i actually found like sometimes again like you said they avoid the tropes like you know you you really it's hard not to roll your eyes at a game that's like oh there are four crystals or whatever but like i think because the game so quickly like they explain like the state of the world and then it cuts to this like really harrowing scene in uh just one of the five districts i think it's under it's loosely implied to be like the fire world but like they don't say that outright but it's run by this like mad max villain who goes by wild beast and very much like beginning of les mis look down kind of like yeah just really really brutal 
state of like slavery and oppression and um like the game has a colorful and and uh you know it's got this like very cool anime style but like the and you know there are these like over the top fighting moves and like you know it gets that eventually but this scene is so like brutal and human like you just see people like walking around just like collapsing from exhaustion and like you know it's it's melodramatic but it really works and they introduce the main character who at this time goes by iron mask uh and as his name would suggest his face is completely covered by this iron mask and uh his thing is that he can't feel pain so you meet him because there's like a guard like yelling at a child and is about to strike them with the sword and he like gets in the way and just like takes the hit and is like bleeding yeah but he can't feel pain so like something just about that character like having a character who can't feel pain who becomes like the patron saint and protector of the slaves is like so sad and also kind of like uh not inspiring but it's like a very cool characteristic for a hero to have and mm. it's also very much a double-edged sword of like i can't feel pain so i'm going to take that burden for others but even though i can't feel pain i can still like lose a limb or get infected from this so his yeah. his friend is the doctor who's like dude you gotta chill with like you know like you you don't have to take this all on yourself which like immediately endeared me to that character because the state of that place is so bad being some Someone who like has like an ounce of power to help was like really captivating and inspiring. Totally. Yeah. He's a great character, like right off the bat. And I, I think yeah. one of my one of my things uh, about this game, just going back to what I was saying about kind of avoiding a lot of the tropes, it kind of takes the um, it almost takes the Final Fantasy seven approach to opening a JRPG where like they're just kind of like throwing you in the shit like pretty quickly, like almost oh, immedi- yeah. almost immediately. Like you see that you see that cutscene that we just kind of described. They like introduce you to like this is how you move and run and talk to people. And then from that point on, it's like gameplay action like nonstop, like you're just doing shit over and over and over again and the whole first i guess i'll, I'll call it an act i guess there's five acts of the game considering there's the five lands uh that are ruled yeah. by the renans um but you know the, the first act is like the introduction to the game and it is just like high octane pretty much the whole time uh and i yeah. really 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 appreciated that because i i don't know i would say it took like three ish hours to take down that first boss um like the first like major boss and that is usually the time that's spent like you getting used to the world as it is and like oh isn't everything (laughs) so like bright and lovely and wonderful and then the inciting event happens and then the game actually kicks off this game is like you have this one cut scene where you learn that this guy doesn't feel pain and is like essentially like destroying himself to help other people and then immediately you get a sword and you start beating the shit out of people (laughs) like yeah it's great it's really good there is there's one sequence with a train that you and I were talking about that feels like it should have been the opening for the game probably yeah um, but honestly I think as it stands like it's already so much better than most other RPGs in general that I've played in terms of the way it's opening and how quickly they're getting you into the plot and the narrative that I I just feel like this is great this is a really great way to start the game yeah. I think it immediately is captivating absolutely I mean from a cinematic angle you know that train sequence is very Fury Road in a way that I was like yeah. extremely into and even just thematically like okay like the state of the world we get a very strong sense of like you know who the bad guys are and like what mm-hmm. we're fighting for you know very clear uh, if not a little bit on the nose but 
what I've really thought elevated it was like this sort of debate between Iron Mask and the doctor, you know, and the doctor yeah. is like a very level headed guy, but he's like, you know, our, the only thing we can do is keep our heads down and like, you know, at least we'll survive that way. Like if we don't cause a problem, yeah. you know, we can just sort of get through this. And Iron Mask eventually is like, fuck that. He, you know, he meets like people who are trying to rebel against the Renans and is more inspired to like, if we're going to die anyway, I might as well die fighting. Yeah. And I think the first time you fight one of the Renan soldiers, I thought, even though I wish we could fight on that train sequence because I was so excited, but it was just a cutscene. The first battle that happens, you uh, basically on that train, they find this like princess like in captivity who you learn that if anyone touches her, they get electrocuted. More on that in a bit. But um, <laughs> she's like, there's something special about her that the uh, wild beast, you know, wants and she's being delivered to him. And uh, Iron Mask like, kind of ends up rescuing her. But you learn very quickly she's a Renin because you can tell if someone's a Renin because their eyes glow if they use magic which is what happens Mm -hmm. so anyway like they're on the run the kind of a chaotic scene and uh iron mask like with like a rusty sword and rags uh runs into a soldier and the soldier doesn't even think to attack him he's like oh you're a slave tell me where they went like the, the status is so like his status is so low that even when he comes in like with the sword they're like oh he's not gonna fight me like there's no way it's been three centuries they allude to uh, not even allude to yeah. it, just like say outright. It's been three centuries of this oppressive rule on this planet that like at this point, the guards like are li- like the guard that you're talking about was like born with that being the social structure. Like the strata has been set in place for so long that like it's been literally generations of his people just being like, oh, yeah, we're the ones who put on the big like scary armor and like hit the the prisoners with big sticks. Like that's just what we do. That's our that's our whole way of life. Like they're so set in their shit. They don't even think to question it when anyone starts to rise up in any way, shape or form, which I, I think is a really interesting way of looking at it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the combat. Uh, so the tale series I knew was basically like they've been focused on real time combat for a while. You know, they, they were like one of the first like major RPGs to deviate from turn based combat. So like a lot of their games tend to be very like combo focused, almost kind of like Muso esque, but with less enemies, I would describe it as <laughs> I can't compare directly to other games in the series but the combat is a lot of fun the battles tend to be very quick and uh you know they do a good job pacing out your ability so it never feels too overwhelming but i would say it's like you know kingdom hearts e in some ways in terms of like being a little bit more hack and slashy than even scarlet nexus was which i think felt like a little bit more like final fantasy 7 remake in terms of like the strategy of using abilities this feels more like you're getting in hits to get moves that will eventually give you your super move and like that's sort of the the strategy but there is like thought required like you do need to think about like early on for most of the beginning it's iron mask and uh Shion, who is the princess who joins you who has a giant gun she can summon out of thin air which is yeah. great that was actually the reason i bought the game <laughs> I, saw, I saw i saw a cutscene in one of the reviews i was watching where there was like there was a guy with a sword and then a girl with like a magic book and she was like casting spells and then uh you know they were like attacking this big thing and then like this 
you know, bullet just flies through the air and rips the thing apart. And it zoomed in on this girl with a big sniper rifle. I was like, yeah, yeah, actually that fucking rules like that. <laughs> that's all nonsense. And I'm, I'm so here for it. Uh, yeah. Anyway. And that's the thing. I think the game does a good job of balancing that sort of like can't be fun with like actually heavy content. And I think yeah. it, it does go well together. Cause I think it alleviates some of the heavier topics, but like, it's still very much like, uh, like really embracing the genre in, in many ways. Um, which I think yeah. like and for better or for worse like there is lore to explain literally everything oh, like yeah. there is lore to explain why she has a sniper rifle in a world where most people just have swords yeah there's there's lore to explain how she has the rifle at all times even though she's not like constantly wearing it on her back uh, like there is constant exposition which I think will really work for some people and won't work as well for others I'm a person that like you know give or take here or there um, I jump into it every once in a while and then sometimes I'll kind of just ignore it for a while and then like go in and check it out later but uh there's a lot can I say something about the combat uh, quickly as well I I just I think one of the things that's really interesting about it I I think it strikes that a nice balance between what you were describing like the kingdom heartsiness of it and the scarlet nexus-y-ness of it (laughs) but yeah yeah, I I think the strategy lies in uh this idea that the game is going to penalize you for using the same move over and over again uh which I I think is a really really smart avenue for them to take because you can just continue like so uh the right bumper or, or r1 depending on what platform you're playing on uh it's just your like standard attack and you could just continue to like attack 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 until your combo runs out um but i think it's three it might be four three or four hits in that move will start being less and less and less effective the more you use it in a row which i think is really interesting so you have this whole suite of abilities and you need to kind of change them up as you're as you're going uh and, and using them so anytime you use something a bunch of times in a row it'll become less effective you could use one of your like super moves or one of your less super moves, one of your middling moves yeah. over and over and over again. It'll also become less effective. And in that way, they really uh, ask you to think about the combat in a way that's a little bit more strategy focused than Kingdom Hearts. And I, I think that I think that that balance is like great. And to be completely honest, I did not think that that was the case for a long time. I There were a couple hours of game where I was like, I am not enjoying this. I don't know how it works. I, I really just wish it was a Kingdom Hearts uh kind of thing um and i would say it's probably that boss like that last like that boss in the first area which you described as like a kind of sekiro like mechanic check yeah like oh do you understand how this game works where i just got my ass like completely handed to me and then went back and did it again like kind of thinking more critically about how i was employing the mechanics and um and just like destroyed the dude like had a great time with it too. yeah um and it has completely changed my view of the combat i mean this i i think that this game is a dream to play oh yeah um, we didn't even mention this but you can switch and play as the other characters in your party who all play completely differently and have their own sets of strengths and weaknesses so like there's just a lot of variety here and i haven't even like begun to scratch the surface because i'm pretty much exclusively playing as iron mask and not switching to the other characters at all and ev- anytime i'm like let me switch it up for just a second i have a fucking blast playing as anyone else it's all good <laughs> Yeah. It's all good. I would say I would recommend there's enough systems that I think it's probably a better idea to stick to one for a bit just to like get yeah. them down. Um, I now have three characters and they, they all play dramatically differently, which is cool in the long run, but it could be a lot, you know, in the beginning. But it yeah. is fun. I mean, I actually do enjoy playing as Shion because she she's essentially the healer, but she also has a giant gun. She's like keeping far away in all areas, which is honestly actually perfect for her character. It's like, you know, we'll get to her in a bit. Yeah. But, um, you know, <laughs> having the AI control like the frontline fighters and have her just like dodging and taking shots in the back and healing is 
actually very fun, but you know, it takes some getting yeah. used to. So I think really, I would say the combat gets going. Like you'll, you'll get a taste of what's to come once you unlock the boost attacks, which like no matter who you're controlling, yes. like you'll eventually get to do like stop time and do a move with someone. It's sort of like when you link powers in Scarlet Nexus, but like it's more of a one-time move from that character versus like getting super speed suddenly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's so the combat's great. The story, I think, had a really great intro and very much like after you beat that that first boss there's a very like i am spartacus moment that i loved uh <laughs> and actually the the like anime intro plays after that moment which i thought was cool which very much solidified like okay like that was the almost tutorial i guess yeah but uh i think what i but also even that boss has so much spectacle to it oh yeah like that yeah that that boss that first lord that you have to take down of the five is like such a huge undertaking and requires like so i mean from a mechanical standpoint like a lot of patience and understanding of what's going on there but even from like a story and narrative perspective like requires a lot of sacrifice from like a lot of characters who like you don't really know a lot about and don't know if you can trust fully and i just think it like is spectacular in a way that like some rpgs never manage to hit and this is just the tutorial boss and yeah. i was so impressed by that sequence of events as as all good jrpg bosses there's two phases and the first phase is like like a brutal like check just to see if you know how to play the game then the second phase is like just like fun fireworks like nonsense yes. at all times and it rules it is yeah. so cool this game will have you cheering a lot i found and the the yeah. way that not to spoil it but the way that sequence ends that could have been like the whole game like i i obviously want more but i, I thought feel it like, was gonna be the end yeah like <laughs> that that, <laughs> that ending feels complete which makes it feel like okay like every lord is sort of like a little season you know like you get like mm-hmm. and there's there's character growth even like iron mask from the beginning of that to him taking down the lord and, and how that plays out thematically um i also think there's something really powerful you know again usually in rpgs it's like you get a sense of home and then that's taken away and this like the home has are like the idea of home is not even known to most people here like they they yes. don't know what life could be like and you you kind of opening up the world in many ways and seeing like how people react and also the i think there's a level of writing here where like they often you know even after that you know event where you take down the first lord they continuously bring up this idea of like the mindset of being a slave and like not defaulting to just like there, there's a revolutionary leader who is like hey now that we fought for freedom don't just follow my orders blindly don't end up unconsciously becoming my slave which like Mm. really like interesting and disturbing conversations happening there you know like the idea of following orders and the idea of like blind allegiance on you know or or being consumed by hatred like there's a lot going on sometimes it's it's like over said i find like i think that the writing is good but as you mentioned or or foreshadowed earlier like so i guess we can get into like the the eight ways in which you're receiving information in this game so like there's the normal <laughs> cutscenes. every now and then there's like an anime cutscene that's like kind of a big plot point yeah but usually it's like normal cutscenes. then there are like little vignettes that play out kind of like scarlet nexus where there's sort of like a comic book style that's fun and those like every now and then you'll get like a bottom of the screen 
screen prompt where you push R1 and you get like another vignette between two characters, which anyone who listens to the show knows that that's usually my shit completely. And it's fun in this <laughs> game, but there's like maybe 10,000 of them. Like anytime there should have just been like one, you get like five. And and usually it ends up kind yes. of being like a little bit similar. We're like, okay, there's a scene between Iron Mask and Shion. It's going to be Shion doing something nice and Iron Mask going, wow, that was nice of you. And her going, I didn't mean it to be nice. I'm just here because I our interests align for now. Yeah. Which like yeah. take a shot every time she says that and you will you will have a good time. Um, but yeah, so the vignettes are like, there's just a lot of them. I always enjoy them. Like I always play them, but like that combined with the cutscenes, combined with just the idle chatter that happens anyway. Cause like, even as you're walking around, they're also talking. There's just a lot of like, I'm getting like the same scene eight times often, which like can kind of yeah. be a little bit draining, but all that to say, like, I can't stop playing this. So it's not bad. It just like. Definitely know going in, like, you're going to get a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there are instances in which, uh, as I was describing before, like with uh, Xion's gun, uh, like they explain like where it came from, uh, where it comes from also, which are two different things. Like there are two different cutscenes that explain each of those things. Every once in a while, I found that they'll introduce a mechanic and they'll be like, this is like an interesting thing about, you know, how this person plays. And then there will be a cutscene later that will explain in the lore why that mechanic exists in the video game. It's like, I didn't really need that. It's yeah. nice that you gave it to me, I guess. But that was not necessary. I didn't I didn't ask the question why this person can recharge their magic meter or whatever. But I guess that's fine that I know now. Yeah. Like you could tell the writers were so excited at what they came up with, which they should be because there's a lot of great ideas. But then they like tell you <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. Like so, you know, for example, the main character, Iron Mask, who eventually reveals his real name. But, you know, Iron Mask for now. Uh, Iron Mask can't feel pain. Um, Shion is someone that like if anyone gets close to her, gets zapped with electricity and she's also just a very distant character. So it's like, okay, you have the two leads as like someone who can't feel pain and someone who like constantly gives others pain. That's actually a very yes. interesting idea. And of course they call it out directly. <laughs> like that yeah, yeah, there's, just... a, there's a guy who shows up and literally says exactly those words. Yeah, he's like, I, I was like, oh, well, this is like such a fun idea. And then, and then they had a whole cutscene about it. I was like, okay. Yeah. So that, <laughs> that, that's like, thanks for popping the balloon. It, it doesn't ruin anything, but it is just sort of like a funny like caveat that, that happens a lot but um, I do yeah. like Shion as well I think that like there's obviously gonna be like a story with her like she's hiding a lot she's not revealing a lot she is yeah. the enemy you know she's essentially like a traitor to the Renans but she's helping Iron Mask all that she really reveals is that she wants to take out all the lords and you know whenever like there's a hint mm -hmm. of camaraderie she's like never mind I'm only here for the lords anything else is a waste of time even though I'm constantly helping people which like <laughs> I enjoy that dynamic but again it, it's just called out too often like you can just do it and like the cliche of show don't tell but like really like you could not just tell me less yeah. and I'll be way happier yeah but she works I, I you you mentioned that it's like it's fun that she's the cloud and like that's very much the vibe like she is the like early game yeah. cloud strife of the party yeah I'm, I'm much happier having the cloud archetype not be the player character in this yes case. I think that that's a that's a good choice um but I think Iron Mask is a excellent lead like I really like him also great voice acting across the board you know some yeah. familiar voices are popping up which is always fun to notice yeah and i i do think like i from the reviews i've read like i do think that like that relationship will play out in a fun way like i'm excited to see where it goes and like what they're foreshadowing already mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really gripped by it you know i think that like uh 
the story i also think that the pacing of the story and the pacing of the game is definitely borrowing a lot from dragon quest 11 like the layout of the world map and like there's very clearly like a critical path mark but there's like just a little bit of deviation you can go on you know usually find a chest like i love that sort of like polished retro jrpg design you know where it's like yeah we're gonna give you we're gonna reward you for exploring but it's gonna be obvious like where to go and where you can explore Um, i think um I'm I'm glad you brought up Dragon Quest XI uh, because my big takeaway from this game is you could have told me this was Dragon Quest twelve and I would have believed you. I yeah. Think. If they were like Dragon Quest twelve is a game that has action RPG combat instead of turn based combat, and you just showed me like videos of this, I would have believed that this was a new Dragon Quest game. You know, outside of the Toriyama art, which like this obviously doesn't have. But that said, this to me has made me like kind of double back on my like fear about Dragon Quest twelve going as as they have said, as Square has said, they're trying to take it in a slightly darker, more like modern direction. That made me a little bit nervous, and this has completely quelled all my fears about that. Yeah. Uh, this feels so much like the exact tone they would need to strike to make Dragon Quest 12 work. Yeah. And it's wild to play it now. And it almost makes me curious, like how much comparison you and I will have when Dragon Quest 12 eventually comes out to Tales of Arise, which feels like nailing the thing that they have described, at least even opening in the like fire world is so much a Dragon Quest 12 Flames of Fate like idea that I would be surprised if they're not over at Square like shit, 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 shit. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I also think just the, the characteristics of like all the towns feels very Dragon Quest. I mean, Dragon Quest DNA is in every RPG you know at this point like it's it's reach is inescapable but it really feels like you know that that charm is there and i think that that charm Mm -hmm. is really important in a game that is this heavy i think that like you know the lighter moments do do really crucial work to make this not feel like too overwhelming or too like tonally inconsistent yeah but uh yeah i'm i'm loving it i will say i so the first area is the fire world um i won't sorry this is a spoiler but the second area is like a snow world where it's always nighttime i am really really like anticipating and hoping and uh praying that sooner than later we will be at literally greener pastures like i really want that like more high fantasy kind of world almost what you're getting out of like a genshin impact like that's that's the kind of space i want to be exploring right now and having the first two areas be these like kind of oppressively uh hostile in terms of like the environment itself uh places kind of is turning me off a little bit even though the story is so great like it doesn't really matter like it's such a small gripe i'm just like desperate hoping to see a fucking sunset on a field or something like i just want to see like flowers you know Um, and Uh, and that drive actually keeps it going in the game i think the other characters are it's true feeling similar i will say though the game is beautiful like the the design of the worlds like the use of color like when you're in the deserts in the fire area like they use like just a subtle shade of purple for all the shadows so like really pops um, and that's mm-hmm. constant, like the attention to detail and all the environments, like really noticeable. So even though they are these kind of like uninhabitable areas, there is a beauty to them still. But yeah, I imagine that will be the case, especially like if we go to where the Renans are from, I imagine it's some kind of like high tech paradise or, or, you know. Yeah, we'll I have to imagine it's it seems like each of the um, each of the lands are like kind of element based. So I imagine we'll get to some more like kind of earthy yeah. wind, you know, so, I don't know. I, I have to imagine it's going to look nicer. And honestly, if nothing else, I'm at least seeing it in the like anime intro that starts whenever you boot the game up, which means that it'll probably show up eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting for like the hu- the hub city. You know, I I, I want that big like 
fantasy city thing to happen uh and sure. I, it seems like the game is going to give it to me eventually so i'm uh i'm excited to stumble across that yeah we're, i feel like we're still in the midgar the midgar phase in a way yeah. um yeah i do like to and again of course the game calls attention to this but i do like how even so far with the fire and ice areas like the types of oppressive rule complement the setting so like in the fire mm-hmm. setting it's like very brutal like you know oppressive wrathful and the ice setting like you don't get the same kind of harrowing picture but everyone is like paid under the table to like uh like rat rat each other out so there's sort of like a secret police like you know very very like you know and of course I think a character is like everyone's here. Everyone here is frozen hearts. Like, okay. Um, but I do, I do like that, that narrative choice of like having the element correspond with like some type of corruption it reminds me of avatar where like every, yes. every type of bending has like the sort of wicked part of it. Like, you know, blood bending for the water benders and, uh, and you mm-hmm. know, other, other things, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's like an immediately gripping RPG. I think it's probably one of the best RPGs I've played like in the last couple of years, honestly, like I, I, I had, it's very, it's very quickly, very good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love Scarlet Nexus, but I feel like I liked the combat and the vibe more than anything else here. I'm actually like gripped by the story, um, which, you know, for a game, this length is important. So I, I am really excited to see where it goes. Like with all these games, I'm like always worried it's going to jump the shark at some point, but like, yeah. I, I, I'm enjoying it enough already and I'm enjoying the atmosphere of it. Like I, I love once I'm like collecting mushrooms for cooking, you know, I'm hooked, you know, that's kind of the vibe here yeah i just to go down the list of all the stuff right so there's there's collecting ingredients so you can cook meals you can go hang out at a camp and talk to all of your friends um and you just get to like hear their idle dialogue as you do that every once in a while there's going to be these like little tiny uh sequences in which you can uh have conversations with people as well learn more about the lore as we were talking about and you can collect all of them if you don't want to watch them like as they pop up in the world you can wait until you can show up at the campsite and then watch them kind of bang them out almost as if they're support dialogue things in Fire Emblem. And then on top of that, there are support dialogue things like in Fire Emblem where you get to increase the bond level with your party. So just like in that little bit, has encapsulated all the stuff that you and I like about these kinds of games. And then there's all the other good shit that we've already talked about. Yeah. Uh, so really, it just feels like a kind of slam dunk. I am so surprised because I really I remember seeing this game announced, I think at I think it was at a PlayStation event. I think it was during E3. Yeah. Maybe this year or last year. Even I'm not even sure. I remember it being announced and them saying like it's coming out soon and everybody being like, that's really surprising. It's coming out that soon. And then I completely forgot it was coming out until <laughs> literally yesterday. Um, so I, I had no anticipation for it was not on my list of things to check out. And, uh, I am like totally smitten by it, like really blown away. It's kind of all I want to do. It's what I plan on doing for the rest of the day. Uh, today. Yeah, yeah, same. uh, it's, it's great. It's, it's a, it's a really, it's a really wonderful game. You know, as, as you're saying, like there's a possibility that it could jump the shark from a story perspective. And I don't even know if that would turn me off of it because yeah. I just am liking it enough to like give it the benefit of the doubt and keep going again. That, that first little section with the first Lord was like satisfying enough that like I'm kind of like that's going to carry me forward yeah I do think too like real quick going back to some of the mechanics I do like how the leveling system works like basically every character has like a hidden in-game achievement where like with Xion if you cook 10 meals she unlocks this skill tree called like speedy chef uh and like 
I didn't, I, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. So like, you know, and you can see some of them. So it'll be like, okay, like once this character has like killed this many enemies, or if you do this many quests, or if you craft these things, or if you find the owls that are voiced by people going, whoo, whoo, which is amazing. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, you'll unlock these new skill trees. So basically the way it works is like every time you unlock a new skill, like a, it's like a sphere grid, kind of like a skill circle. There are like five abilities you can unlock. And then once you unlock all of them, you get like a permanent stat upgrade. But whenever you unlock a new, uh, skill circle you get one skill for free so even if like you're not you know it's it's still giving you something yeah and i've found that like I, the advice i was given is like it's better to complete circles to get those stat upgrades than to like just pick and choose skills although the there's one that like you avoid getting knocked out once which is like really important apparently <laughs> and you're also leveling up traditionally like you're getting experience and like being a higher level but this skill yeah. stuff kind of adds nuance to that i will say that one kind of caveat is that that, um the game like really pushes the dlc in a way that feels kind of weird like oh yeah yeah we totally forgot about that yeah at, when you're at camp there's like you know rest check in with your team and then there's a dlc thing and there will even be like a banner like now available in the shop and from what i've read the dlc um you know there's a ton of like cosmetic costumes or whatever but the costumes give you more skill trees too and apparently like if you get all of those it kind of breaks the game a little bit where like um, like the DLC gives you like a, a bunch of gold experience boosting things and like new skills, which like having played enough of the game now, I don't think the game is designed to like, like bait you into buying that at all. Like I, I think you level up like a pretty decent rate you know I, i've never felt like like they they purposely slowed it down but it is just kind of like constantly like nagging at me that like they're pushing this because I, yeah. I feel like it's just uh it's not quite clear what you're getting like you know if you buy an outfit and then all of a sudden you like have these new skills that will like change the balance of the game like that might not be what you signed up for so it's it just sort of bizarre the best touch point for this is um i think it was assassin's creed odyssey that launched yeah. with that dlc where you could buy the like permanent upgrade that would allow you to get twice the experience i mean that literally is one of the dlc packs you can buy for this game and there are a bunch of things like that uh there are ones where it's like hey you can max out the the gold that you have like right now if you pay five dollars you know and what's nice i guess about them is that they're cheap enough they're like three to five dollars each for like most of the stuff not to excuse it but there is one that is thirty dollars and it adds different music to the battles yeah and that is like abhorrent that's like yeah. absolutely wild to me that that exists i don't know it's it's not good uh just like yeah really no ifs ands or buts it's just it's just not good and the fact that they're pushing it in like literally every menu so as you said it's at the camp uh it's also whenever you pause the game it's there if you go into the settings in the game for some reason it's also there yeah uh it's strange it's it's a very strange thing i i'll say this much i'm playing this on story mode uh and having a pretty okay time and don't feel like i need to uh increase the amount of experience or whatever so i don't as you said i don't think the game is like built to force people down the funnel to pay the five dollars to get the double experience so the game feels like it should that doesn't seem to be the case at all no no i i I definitely find myself torn between like it's nice that the option is there in a way but i just wish they weren't charging for it like i it just feels like an accessibility thing that they're charging for and i think that's what kind of rubs me the wrong way than anything because essentially you're paying for like cheat mode essentially it's like okay i want to like just plow through the game be over leveled have everything like that's not a bad option i i have i have just more issue with the way it's like constantly marketed like 
And again, this isn't a free game like Genshin Impact where like, you know, they they're relying on that. Like this is like a $60 game. So it's like it just yeah. it again, I I don't think and based on what I've read, it doesn't seem like the game is like imbalanced to like you know, you're not going to be stuck at a boss and have have to pay to get past it. But it is yeah. just sort of like marketed in a way that feels weird. But also if you buy the deluxe version, which I think is 70 or 80 dollars or the like ultimate edition, which is 120 dollars, oh I think. They they like come with the two times experience thing like automatically turned on as well so i that to me feels like the weirdest thing because i feel like the people who are spending a hundred something dollars on the new tales game because i love the franchise are the exact people who wouldn't want that like stat boost and wouldn't want right that that like kind of easier experience like that feels like the more hardcore fan base who would want the more challenging experience yeah right so it's almost like doing everyone a disservice across yeah. the board it's weird it's a really weird thing yeah it's 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 definitely like the biggest gripe i i completely forgot that that was an element of this because i've been like so tuning it out but uh yeah that's 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 the big caveat i guess with this game yeah but it doesn't really affect how yeah. i think about the game itself it's just more of like okay like who pressured them into adding this kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, a Bandai Namco thing, probably. Right, I would, right. I would have to so, imagine. But yeah, hi- highly recommend if you're if you're looking for like a good fall RPG to to just fall into. This is a good one. So yeah, I'm I'm very into it, and I imagine uh, you'll be hearing more about it. Yeah, I'll probably beat it this weekend <laughs> and come back like <laughs> time skip, Steven. Yeah. Like I did everything. I bought the hundred twenty dollar version. I've got all the gold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we did, we haven't mentioned this yet worth saying again it's called tales of arise uh, yeah not the easiest name to remember weirdly but uh anyway it's called tales of arise what platform are you playing it on i'm playing on ps5 i think it's on everything though except for switch i think it's on like the series s and x yeah i'm playing it on series s oh uh, cool and it's great uh, yeah so just a heads up in case you have a series s uh and you're like hey is this game working it does it works really well i'm having a great time with is it, it also really on good. ps4 yeah it's on ps4 xbox one it's on everything except Switch, as you were saying. It's also on yeah. PC. And from what I understand, immediately, I think, highest launch day sales of any of the Tales games oh, on hell PC yeah. uh, by, like, a factor of, like, four or five, uh, which is kind of wild. It's doing very, very well, which I think is, uh, again, you know, me not really having the context, but just, like, seeing kind of loose conversations all over the place from the, like, very little bit of research I did, because I didn't really want to go into this with a lot of context, if I'm being totally honest. But anyway, people have wanted the Tales games to, like, do well and be kind of considered alongside the greats for a long time. Uh, and it seems like this one selling so well is kind of that happening. Yeah, uh, it's kind of you know. So there, there's a whole fan base that's like extremely fucking amped yeah. about this game right now, which yeah. uh, I'm very happy about. It makes me also want to check out the other ones. I think like my plan is probably once I'm done with this one to like go back to Vesperia or you know whatever other one people like. Yeah, I want to play Symphonia. That's just the one I keep hearing about. Everybody I know in my life keeps telling me how great Tales of Symphonia is. So I like Vesperia because there's a dog with a big pipe in his mouth. <laughs> Uh, maybe I'll play that one then. Okay. <laughs> Sold. I mean, it's as simple as, you know, uh, Shion's giant gun that she summons out of thin air. Sometimes it just, what's when it works, it works. Yeah. Dog with a pipe. Um, Sold. Anyway, that's Tales of Arise. Uh, what else did we talk about? Game Dev Story by Kairosoft. Yeah, WarioWare, Get It Together, and uh, Greatest Tourney Chronicles. Um, available for Nintendo Switch. All good stuff. Uh, you want to wrap up? What's, yeah, let's wrap up. There's so much stuff on the horizon and Tales of Arise like wasn't even part of that. <laughs> uh, so I'm like, September's a big month. October's going to be a big month. 
Oh yeah, man, there's just a lot of stuff coming. So get uh, get excited. Yeah, a lot of cool stuff. I think Sable comes out soon, which I'm excited to finally play. Oh yeah, uh, that's this month, man. Next month uh, is Metroid Dread, which is the big one. And also, I'm gonna finally play Resident Evil Village, which I'm excited to play because that was like a like an yeah. early early 2021 hit that I've been. It's been killing waiting. me that you and I are sitting on that game and just like waiting to play it. Uh, yeah. But I, we're getting so close to the point where that is going to be <laughs> a thing that I get to finally play. And I'm so fucking excited. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited for Halloween season. Um, but yeah, I think let's wrap up. I think another thing too, later this month, we're going to have our Forgotten City bonus. We're going to talk about the Forgotten City game and the Skyrim mod. I think we're going to go back and play that as well just to touch on it potentially. So that'll be cool. That will come out later this month. And uh, next month, we don't really have a bonus planned yet, but it will be uh, ideally something kind of Halloween centric. I think there's like a number of big games like Village that are like contenders for a bonus. We're just going to see like where we land on all of them. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of things that seem like like obvious picks. I mean, we we, we talked about Village potentially Dread, you know, if that game is like good enough or yeah. whatever. Um, honestly, though, who knows? Because I feel like that'd be a hard game to do a bonus on because it's Maybe. like, remember when you went into that room and you shot the gun? <laughs> Uh, but who knows? I don't know. I uh, mean, we can talk about whatever. We'll see where our hearts are. <laughs> but yeah, um, other than that, let's see. The Mass Effect bonus should already be out. Thank you all for your patience with that. Patreon bonus also should be out soon. Um, we're back on track, baby. I'm doing my maddening run of Golden Deer still. It's going weirdly well. Uh, might eat those <laughs> words, but um, that's on YouTube and that will be on Twitch as well. Uh, or, you know, if you want to see us do it live, that's where it will be. I think that's it. Into the cast.online is the is the link to go to for everything about us. Uh, if you like the show, the best way to help it grow is to share it with a friend. You can rate us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can also back the Patreon, which again, special shout out to all our patrons for allowing the bonuses for everyone to exist. And also just for supporting the show. I mean, we're very grateful that like we're at a point now where at least most of the cost of the show is covered. So like anything after that just helps us do more stuff. So we really, really appreciate it. And as always, if backing the show is putting you in any financial strain, please do not back it. But otherwise, we really appreciate you and you allow us to grow. And that's all I got, man. That's all the information I have currently. That's all the information. But if you press the right button for <laughs> R1 at any point, you can hear so much more fucking information or you could wait until you get to the camp and then hear about it while also perusing the fine, fine DLC that we have available. <laughs> can you imagine there was a vignette about the DLC? Hey, Iron Mask, have you seen this cool <laughs> swimsuit you could buy? Have you gone to the Microsoft store recently, Iron Mask? <laughs> No, what's that? Yeah, it's a good time. Anyway. He's a little bit of a himbo, which I like. He's he's yes. he's a him he he means very very well, which is nice. But he's also a himbo because every time you come across like like a new kind of fruit, he's like, "What is this?" Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's partially because what's a chicken? <laughs> Fair, but he also like hasn't ever left like the volcano city he's from. You know, like. He's only ever been as far as we like, know. I mean, we, we forgot we to mention yeah. this. He, he's he's uh, another uh, classic trope, but he, he has amnesia as well. So he doesn't remember who he is or where yeah. he's from or whatever. It works, though, more than like I usually roll my eyes at that. Like in Fantasian, it's like, oh, my God. But like here, because I think it works because we still get a strong sense of his character. You know, he just doesn't remember his yeah. past, which like we at least know who he is. We can describe him with a few adjectives, whereas like 
the Fantasia. I also like that it doesn't seem to be a question. It doesn't even seem to be a lingering question. It's not like, who is Iron Man? Like, what was his whole life like? Like, it's actually, I imagine, you know, it'll be answered eventually and will probably become important at some point. But at the moment, like many hours into the game, they really haven't asked or considered it, uh, which I think is nice. It's more about who he's becoming, which is like a, you know, a folk hero almost, which is cool. Yes, exactly. I'm going to wait until we're done recording the show because I have I have a hunch uh, about Iron Mask that I've had literally since the very first moment that he said, <sighs> I only I wear this mask all the time and I don't remember who I am immediately was like, I know exactly everything about you, <laughs> uh, but we'll oh, talk about I'm it. I'm so excited for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it after the show because uh, I don't want to spoil it just in case. But anyway, uh, all of that having been said, thank you all so, so, so much for listening. Um Steve and I were just uh, commenting yesterday that there's been like a just like a lot of support recently, like a lot more than um, I don't know, it's just a lot of people reaching out and saying nice things and following the show and listening to the show and sharing the show and stuff. Uh, and, and, and it is constantly like flabbergasting and cool. Um, so thank you all so much for listening and for sharing and doing what it is you do. Uh, it's really fun. As as we always say, like we make the show just because we like making the show. <laughs> so uh, the fact that anybody out there like listens and uh, wants to like support the show or whatever uh, is, is just fucking amazing. So yeah, it's cool. Uh, hey, join the Discord if you haven't. That's available at Into the Cast on Online. All right, that's it for me. My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet <laughs> at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Have a wonderful day. Goodbye. Bye. Garbage. The online.